In this episode of The Interface, I sit down with Jared Sabreva, High Speed Solutions Business Unit Director for Amphenol Aerospace in Sydney, New York. Jared has been with Amphenol for eight years after spending time learning the industry while working for Lockheed Martin and Curtis Wright. We talk about his early desire to be a pilot in the Air Force and how he found his love of engineering from an influential high school teacher. We talk about his insatiable thirst for knowledge, the power of knowing you don't know everything, and how important it is to challenge one another. We talk about how much he learned about the needs of the market in his previous roles and how that benefited him when starting at Amphenol, and we talk about some of the amazing high-speed products his team is developing. This is The Interface. We'll just get started. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I talked to in this, and I've done, I don't know, 30 or so of these so far, and a good amount of them I've talked to engineers, and I think almost every engineer I've talked to, to a person, they knew at a very young age, like really young, that they just loved building and figuring things out and and designing things and taking things apart and all that. I'm assuming you were no different. How how young were you when you thought, well, I really like engineering? Because I know that's your background, mechanical, electrical engineering, all that stuff. How How young were you when you knew... I love this stuff. I want to do this. See, it really started later in life for me. Really? Which is the weird thing. See, I, I said that and jinxed myself <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm being honest. Uh, it yeah. wasn't until high school okay. when, you know, I had a teacher and, and Chris Corlett, he's one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. And he said, look, you've got skills in math and science and this is where you need to go. And, um, you know, I grew up, um, you know, as a patriotic kid, a dad in the air force. And yeah. I wanted to go be a pilot. I wanted to go be in the air force. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was good at math and science, but I never really connected it to engineering until I got into high school. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That, what did you want to, so you wanted to be, you wanted to be in the air force. Yeah, that's right. Want to be a pilot. Yep. Want to do all that. And it never connected until you were in high school. So then once it did, mm -hmm. what was it about it that intrigued you? Just the, I, I, look, I love math. I love numbers. I love physics. Mm -hmm. I love, I, look, I love balancing equations, um, being in the lab, building things, putting things together. Um, but, but it wasn't out of just curiosity. Um, you know, I, I've been working since I was seven, eight years old. Yeah. And when something needed to be fixed, it was out of necessity to fix it because I have a job to do. And, you know, I, I connected fixing and putting things together with a necessity to get a job done. And then my love of math and science, and that's kind of how it all connected. It connected practically, hmm. right? It didn't connect in, the, in a lab. It connected on the streets. Organically. Yeah, you know, here's, a, here's a mower that's got to be fixed. Yeah. You know, here's my bike. The chain broke. Fix it. Yeah. What do you do, you know? Okay. So it was just something you just kind of figured out organically and then thought, Okay, well, now I want to go to college and learn about this. Well, that's right. And it was this, this man that I met in high school, and um, he sung at my wedding. And he was, a, you know, Rob Manville. He was the same math teacher for him, too, in a week oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, he, he looked at me and he helped me. Yeah. And I think it's so important that, you know, we help young guys and gals, you know, get on the right track with what, you know, folks that are wiser than they are think that they're going to be good at. Because, I mean, in high school, you really don't know much. You don't know. No. You just don't. No, although we all think we do. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I did. I thought I was smarter than everyone there, you know, including the adults. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wasn't, not by a long shot. So 
Um, so you go into college and you went to Binghamton University locally here yeah. um, and got into engineering. It was electrical engineering? Electrical engineering. Okay. And what uh, was it about electrical versus some of the other engineering disciplines? Computers, you know? Okay. I mean, the world is, 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 I mean, look, if you go to a, a nuclear power plant, right? They've yeah. got electrical engineers. Electrical engineers have a good understanding of controls, computers. It's the broadest degree you can get. And, and, uh, you know, so I was always interested in software and computers and electrical things. So it made sense to go get that degree. And, uh, you know, first couple of years are really hard in electronics and elect electrical things. But then when you get focused on kind of the specifics of what you're working on, you know, you really can get, you know, dive deep into control systems and the signal processing. And that's what really captivated me was how the math all worked out and how easy it was to do. For someone with almost no experience with that, like mm -hmm. myself, when you say the first couple of years are really hard, like what was hard about, was it just the overall concepts of the electrical engineering, uh, the, the, the basics of it, the building blocks of it? Yeah. What it, was it that was difficult? So that, that's the difference between like a, a physics major yeah. and a chemistry major and an engineering major. The first couple of years of engineering, you are in chemistry school. You mm. are in physics school, right? And then you divert after a couple of years into, you know, practical things, you know, being able to do things with the things you've learned and the physics and chemistry people, they just keep studying theory. I see. Okay. And so the first couple of years are really challenging because of exactly what you said. You have to learn all the way down to the infinitesimal level, the proton, the electron, mm -hmm. how it works. And let's just, just be straight. The more scientists learn about those things, the more they know that they don't know. Because it's, oh, yeah. it's vastly complex. Yeah. Uh, Einstein said there was, you know, 15 dimensions, probably way more. Einstein said that, um, that the, the moment you establish a constant variable in any equation, you're, you're wrong. So all these things we take for granted, like the speed of, like the speed of light is a constant, mm -hmm. right? It's not. There's no such thing as a constant in this multi-crazy dimensional universe and uh, the more you study it, the more you realize you don't know. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> to equate that to something <laughs> I remember, I always remember someone saying that there is no such thing as a perfect circle or a straight line. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's always because like, of pi. It, yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah. it always, yeah, like blew my mind. You know, like I was on acid without being on acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. And when you think about it, you're like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you go, no, if you keep magnifying down, you keep magnifying, mm -hmm. you will see imperfections in that line, in that mm -hmm. circle. And like, whoa, yeah. So, but I'm that, with so you. most engineers, and this is kind of where I deviate, they are perfectionists. Mm -hmm. They like perfect things, they like it to be absolutely perfect. But I will sit here and tell you, I don't like that. I, I, from a driveway that I just put in, or the kitchen that I have in my house that's two years old, or the car I just bought, I like older things. Because they immediately are imperfect. They immediately have issues. Why? What is it that you like about that? Because then I, you know, if, if they're two years, if a car's two years old, then you're not as fussy about a ding here or a ding there. You know, I like the type of engineering and the, and the design that says this is just, this, this is good enough. This gets you there. You're there. You don't have to spend another year or two years studying it. This gets the job done. It might not be perfect, but it gets the job done, right? It's something we can sell. Is yeah. that and so you you use that on a day to day basis here then? Yeah, yeah. The stuff that we have here is the best stuff in the world. It's not perfect, and it's not all it could be with ten years and fifty scientists, but it, it accomplishes its job, 
and does it really well. Mm-hmm. And I think as an engineer, that's something that they don't teach you in college is what is good enough and why should you not exceed requirements? There, there's reasons for, for doing the job as, as good as you can do it and stopping versus spending another, you know, 10 years to do the last 10% of a job, you know? So being comfortable taking the brush off the canvas, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I've never really thought of it, but now, you know, in my dealings with engineers over the years, and I hate to make a generalization, but yeah, I think that is one of them where you go, well, it's not, we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. There's a couple more things we should look at and test and, mm-hmm. And me being a, a product manager back in the day, you know, I was just anxious to get something out there. You'd be like, isn't it good enough? And, you know, you want it out and done and ready and tested and 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 be able to, to introduce to a customer or to a market. You're saying you already have that kind of built into your your wiring, even as an engineer, which is at least for me a little bit unusual, but good. Look, I think um, I think there's good things about wanting something to be as good as it possibly can be. But you also have this thing called a market and a business yeah. that is absent from the academy, the college, the the, the educational, you know, the, the establishment, right? Right. We have to we have to sell products. We have to meet customers' demands. Um, we have to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. and it's a happy medium between having something that's good enough and we feel comfortable with um, from a risk perspective. Is it going to fail? Is it going to work? And, and, and those are the types of, uh, you know, difficult conversations we have on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and another thing an engineer does not like to do is debate. They don't like to, they don't like, I mean, look, I'm an engineer, I'm smart and do not challenge me. And I, that's just the kind of mindset that they leave engineering school with. And I'm one of these people, I've got a yeah. master's degree, whatever. And so, but I think debate is incredible. So you like when people challenge you? I think it's incredible. Yeah, I love de- I love arguing another side that I don't even agree with. Yeah, because I think through that process of the debate, you know, there's so many good things that come out. You get more comfortable with the person you're working with. You you flesh out new ideas. You know, I I, I love debate. And compromise is good too. It sure is. Yeah. I mean, and, there's no such thing as black and white. No. And so there's no. always a little gray, and nuance is good with this. And and maybe we're not just talking about engineering and designing products either, but you get my point. And I think you agree with it. Um, and I, I see where that could be healthy in what you're trying to do yeah. in, in leading this, this business unit that's trying to develop newer and newer technology all the time. That is your job. That's your charter. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it, listen, it is the most exciting place to be. Yeah. I've never been at a place where I can influence the types of products we sell and the technologies we bring to the market in in a quicker way and and it's just it's just amazing working with the customers every single day and having this answer for them and um you know and and there there's just no other place like it and yes there's frustrations and challenges of course yeah well just like there's you know no constants <laughs> in the engineering yeah. or the physical world there's no perfect place to to work either you're always going to have challenges and have to work through things and all that. But uh, just to go back a little bit, you worked for some of our biggest customers in your prior life as well. You worked for Lockheed Martin, you worked for Curtis Wright, um, doing various roles in those organizations as well. What did you learn working with those customers, uh, first of all? What were some of the things that you did and then how you then applied that once you got here to Amphenol? Now, sure. Um, So it was... uh a week after I accepted my job at Lockheed, mm-hmm. I got a call from the Air Force, and they said, uh, "You're commissioned. You're going to officer training school." And I said, "Listen, really? You called me a week too late. 
Wow. And, and, and it was amazing because I went through this six-month process, medical, and you just go through the process. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I literally uh, was going in and I was going to be a pilot, everything I always wanted to be, but I just signed on the dotted line with Lockheed. And my life would not be the same. We would not be here. No. Think about that timing. So, you know, I went to work at Lockheed and I got this thing in my head thinking, man, did I make a mistake? You know, but yeah. I, I guess I look back at it and say, I, I love my wife and kids and where I'm at and I'm happy. And you can't look at life like that. But at Lockheed, I spent time as a hardware person, a software person, business development, cross spectrum. And, uh, you know, it's an amazing place to grow up because uh, you get such a, a broad experience with all these subcomputers and displays that they make. And so you've got these computers, these displays, and, and integrating them all together and learning how all these things work. Um, and then learning how they all work on different platforms. So mm. I was able to work on, you know, MH60. And then the, there's a, a Merlin helicopter in the UK, um, the, the B-1B, the, the, uh, the B-2, the F-16, the Joint Strike Fighter, uh, the E-2D was an amazing experience. And to be able to be a part of those systems and learn how they work you get a feel for not only how they work, but the ecosystem of, of uh, people that, that, that work on them from different companies and different disciplines. Yeah. And, and uh, no, I mean, there's no better place to start a career than um, at Lockheed in a week. I had a great time there. Yeah. How about a Curtis Wright? Yeah. No, Curtis Wright was amazing. You know, so I was at Lockheed about six years and um, one of the vice presidents of BD was new there. He called me up and said, hey, I want you to become my technical assistant. And, I, and he said, listen, if you come and work for me, he said, your life will never be the same. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you're going to go down a path that is going to take you toward the business. And, you know, you've got to make numbers and it'll be a very rewarding path. But, you know, it will not be the same life. And he was spot on. Yeah. Because I went and worked for him and I saw captures at billion dollar levels. I saw a, an absolute genius. He was a he was a nuke in the Navy, uh, okay. an officer on submarines, yeah. a real smart guy. And he taught me how to be a businessman. And I still talk to him today. Yeah. And uh, so he leaves Owego, goes back to some other place. And, um, and then here I am at Owego and my, my mentor, this really smart person, this amazing guy is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it w- just wasn't fast enough for me. So Curtis Wright uh, offered me a chance to be a you know, field sales guy, selling all the various subcomponents that go into these systems, processors, Mass storage, graphics, you know, Ethernet switches, yeah. right? And I had probably the best 18 months of my life at Curtis, right? Working for him. Oh, yeah. It was an amazing – it's just an amazing business. I had a blast. What, like, yeah. what was it what – did, what did you like about it? What was the intriguing yeah. part? Every you? morning was Christmas at Curtis, right? Because they have the CRM system that, you know, every morning you wake up and you have this list of all these people that are interested in the products. Mm. And the day, my day was not only answering email and talking to customers and traveling around and seeing people, but was calling, you know, Joe Schmo engineer. Hey, you just downloaded this data sheet. I'm assuming you're working on something you need a hand. How can I help? And uh, there's just nothing like that because, you know, it was like opening Christmas presents and, you you know, some things you get are, you know, I don't like this, but other times it's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. So (laughs) sometimes you got socks, sometimes you got Atari. Oh, I listen, I, I had a blast every morning and every day following up on interest in Curtis Wright's products. And I, I loved every second of it. So and I learned a ton, too, and, and met a whole bunch of great people. So Curtis Wright was an amazing company. And then, and then you came here. Yeah. And uh, you started to apply that same type of 
every morning is Christmas morning mentality to your group here. Yeah. Well, and it was, uh, I was sitting with Gary and Gary is one of, just an amazing guy, Gary Anderson, yeah. the old VP here. And I, I looked at him and I said, Gary, I, I don't know if I want to come here. I said, I'm a, I'm an electronics person. I'm a systems guy. Yeah. And we're sitting having breakfast and he looks at me and says, listen, I, I want you to come and do that for us. And I guess I never had anyone talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone said, hey, this is our business strategy. Come fit in. Right. And Amphenol said, okay, I want you to come do the strategy. Yeah. You do your thing. Yeah. And it was, it was unbelievable. He spoke to the, the inside of me that, that ticked. Mm-hmm. And so I've come here and yeah, it's exactly that. We, yeah. we love to solve problems. We love to fix things. We, we love to find a gap in the architecture and say, this is how it should all be put together. This is how it, it can be easier. This is how it can be better, less complex. This is how we can solve your problems. And, and that's one of the reasons we've been so successful. And you get to control that. And you get to oversee that. And and in the true Amphenol spirit yeah. around here, no matter if it's here at Amphenol Aerospace or any of the 115-ish or so divisions around the world, you're in charge. You do it. We're only we're, we're going to let you be yeah. you because we trust that you know what you're doing. And we'll just kind of make sure everything's going okay. That's yeah. it. And we'll leave... Hands off. It's amazing. And at the same time, there's a, so you give someone that kind of responsibility. It's an amazing amount of responsibility that, that has to be appreciated too. Cause if yeah. you take the, the train off the rails, that's a problem too. Yes. So there's some trust there. Um, but I would add on to what you say to say that I've got, you know, five to 10 young folks over here that are replicating the model right. that are a part of this and to see, and, and as I, I'm not that old, but as I get older and to see the younger folks coming up and, and learning and being a part of that, it's, it's, it's just really exciting because yeah. I'm not alone over here. There's, there's people that are with me, my right arm, my right leg, you know, they're helping. They're a right. part of it. They agree with the vision. Yeah. And, and you get to oversee all of this stuff you have going on. You were just telling me before you came in here or when you came in here before we started that you're in writing computer code yeah. for something. I mean, you're getting involved in that level of detail as well, and you seem to love every bit of it. Well, yeah. I mean, my, for eight years, I mean, here's been a gap, and I'll just go do it, right? If there's something to do and we don't have a person to do it, I'm happy to go do it. I'm not happy. I'm not I'm not ashamed to do anything. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm not above anything. I, I mean, I, let's just leave it like that. But, but on these Ethernet switches, there is this massive gap that we have internally, and that is – you know, just just getting all the software to work right and all the configuration to work right, and and these things are as, as configurable as you can possibly make them. But having the software experience, and not just the software experience, but the embedded mm-hmm. diagnostic software experience that I have from Lockheed. Right. You know, you just walk in and you know what to do, and you know, and you know the way our customers are going to feel and think and breathe and understand things, and and it's a great way to connect the the, the tires to the road and drive off. So. So you you mentioned Ethernet switches, and I think it's probably a good segue then to get into as the one who's leading the the high speed solutions team here. Just run through some of the different products and technologies mm-hmm. that you enable every day here. Some of the ones that you're most excited about that you want people to know about. Yeah, I mean, in high speed copper, having the ability to take 10 gigabit signaling out of a, a box, right? Whether it's 10 gigabit Ethernet or some other flavor of a protocol 
and being able to work all the cables and the simulations to be able to support folks that want to continue to use copper. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. The other day I was taking a run and I don't know if, the, I, and I was thinking to myself, what have I done with my life? You know, <laughs> Uh oh, one of those, I know I'm like, I have no hair. You know, I come Join home every night to four boys. Yeah. And they're <laughs> jumping all over me. And, uh, you know, so what am I, what am I doing with my life? And then I remembered this connector that we made for, for Google, uh, the Google streetcar. Mm-hmm. Every image that's on the internet that is from the Google streetcar comes through the connectors that my team developed for, and they're high speed passive connectors. And Google came in here and we took them out to lunch and our rugged military connectors at the top of the Google streetcar. We can make anyone happy and we can make pretty much anything work if it's within the realm of physics. Yeah. So high speed copper is a, a blast. And then the fiber optic challenges. And I would say lately it's been really just density packing as many channels as possible. Okay. The smallest footprint as possible. Um, and it all goes hand in hand with the electronics that we do now, whether it's, you know, media converters or protocol converters or ethernet switches or data concentrators. Um, we have this whole brand new catalog of active contacts coming out, size eight contacts that just have circuits in them, processors running code in them that boost USB, that uh, have all of the fiber optic conversion inside, that um, you know have uh, agnostic switches inside. I mean, it's just amazing, just all of the the integration with electronics that we're doing, and what at the end of the day, what it does is is make our customers' lives easier. And, and helps them achieve what they're trying to do. And it makes sense. So yeah, that's the exciting part of, of what we do. We don't just make products. We connect them to where they, they're needed, and we help folks design them into their system. So. What challenges do you have, if any, what challenges do you have when you're, when you're working with customers? On, they come in and they have, they have an issue, right? They yeah. don't know how to you know, connect A to B, and they have all these variables that go into it. What's your... What is your biggest challenge when confronted with those issues from from a customer, any customer? Yeah, um, the, the cool thing is, is I'm I'm just thinking about like ten names in my head of some of these really great customers. I would call them friends of high speed. Okay. And some of the hardest things of, of dealing with them, and I remember the very beginning was trying to explain to them how complicated these things are. Mm. No one really understands how complicated a connector is or a cable is. Until you have to work through a really hard problem. And it's because it's always looked at as a component. Yeah. Yes. It's looked at as something incredibly simple and go away. Right. But when you start trying to do more and more across this connector, it becomes a little system in itself. And folks just don't understand how complicated. And listen, I was one of those people. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this connector. Yeah. This connector, what is a grommet? I don't not want to know. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. go away, Mr. Mechanical Engineer. You know. But now that I've come here and I've seen how complicated they are and the various trade-offs that really go into these systems, trying to get a customer from having the need that I know I can fill to the knowledge of what exactly goes into these things so they can understand our true value. Right. You can't understand someone's true value until you know what exactly they're providing. Yeah. And, and so once you get that customer there, um, then it's like, I mean, everything is great. They're like, oh, this, these people know what they're talking about. Yeah. But that's a challenge. Because folks, I mean, they, I mean, they're doing really hard things, and they don't want this to be another hard thing they're doing. So it's the challenge of making it as easy as they want it to be, but also helping them understand the value that you bring to the table. I think that's some of the most challenging things we do. Yeah, you're exactly right, and that 
that is a huge challenge because you're trying to, you know, like you and I both said, when you get outside of the connector world, these are looked at as commodity off the shelf yeah. items by and large. But some of the stuff that you do, whether it be, you know, these very complex media converters or Ethernet switches or even cable assemblies yeah. are incredibly complex. I know. And if you saw how the, you know, the, the, the builds that are involved with these and the and the blueprints and the schematics, you'd be like, Jesus, this, this looks like a complicated apartment building, not a Chris. We're working on a <laughs> not a commodity yeah, product. We're working on a five hundred and twelve channel. 25 gigabit ethernet switch yeah it's 14 terabits per second i can't picture 15 things in my head right now i can picture three four i'm just trying to do it but you think about 14 terabits per second yeah and all of that fiber and all of that power this thing is going to be 700 watts there there's nothing in the world like this yeah and it's the funnest thing to be a part of and you talk about complicated yeah it's the most complicated thing i think as far as ethernet switching that exists in our market that's happening right here in upstate New York. I mean, it's pretty cool. And as you said, it'll get more complicated soon enough. It sure will. Yep. And that's that's part of the fun of this. You have a, I know, you know, you and I have known each other for a few years now. I know you have a very inquisitive, curious mind. Like you love to investigate all sorts of stuff, especially when it comes to engineering and, and connector builds and the market in general. Do you ever think that it hurts you? <laughs> like you're too curious? Um, I don't know. Um, Mike, you know, it's funny. My kids are the same way. They're just, they just, <laughs> it's, uh, no, honestly, I, I think it's, it's what makes, it's just what makes me feel young. Yeah. It's just that I'm always excited to know what's inside that present. Yeah. I am the, okay. I am the one that is not afraid of what's inside the bag. I am not afraid to do it. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'm not afraid. And I think that that curiosity as to what's on the other side is, that's living. Um, I, I would never, I mean, yes, I, I guess I'm a little more hesitant as I get older, but man, I, I just love, I'm, I'm the first one to dive off the diving board into that cold water because I just want to be a part of it. I want to, I don't want to wait. Let's go do it. Let's go find out what this is. And uh, so, no, I, <laughs> there may be a little bit of hesitancy as I get older, but not a whole lot. I don't see it stopping. Well, I think one of the key things you said was earlier in the interview that it, it, it it's good to know, to realize, and come to the realization at some point in your life that you know you don't know everything. Yeah. And you know that you don't know everything, oh. and yet you seem to love the challenge of at least trying to know as much about things yeah. as possible. That, that listen, most, most smart people, they, they get to the point where they, you know, they, they feel like they're elites and they know everything. And that's just, I mean, look, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Exactly. And um, I think that that has a humbling effect. And it brings us all to the same level. Um, but uh, I, love, I love to learn as much as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly on my phone. The other night I was looking at the, uh, the God particle, trying to understand, I mean, this Higgs boson. I mean, there's all these different particles they're finding. Yeah. And I will, just, I will just spend time, and you can go Wikipedia, and you could spend hours just on particle physics, and you walk away saying, this world's really complex. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try to simplify it. <laughs> and that's where the curiosity could drive you nuts because yeah. you've just spent four hours going uh, through a Wikipedia wormhole. Yeah, but it's it's amazing <laughs> to read. And I think, if anything, you walk away with a better appreciation for that's what true. we're doing right, 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 and how complex it is and how much we should be grateful for all of the people that came before us Yeah, that have brought us to this point technologically because they're heroes. 
because it's so much easier for us today with computers. What they did with just a gosh darn pencil and paper and a slide roll is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jared, listen, I appreciate you coming and doing this today. Um, I, I knew that you'd be a great guest and you did not disappoint. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's been a real pleasure and honor and um, thank you very much for the opportunity.